You're listening to Inside Lebo, a podcast giving you an inside look at Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, produced by Mount Lebanon's Public Information Office. Hello and welcome to Inside Lebo. I'm your host, Assistant Municipal Manager and Municipal Planner, Ian McMeans. And I'm Assistant Public Information Officer and Senior and Online Editor, Rachel Windsor. Our guest today is Lieutenant Chris Siegert from the Mount Lebanon Fire Department. And he is here to talk about a special fire safety course that he teaches at Mount Lebanon Schools. Welcome, Chris. Oh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So um, first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the types of classes that you teach in the traditional classrooms in Mount Lebanon, and then you can get into the class that you're teaching for life skills classes. Sure. So in the traditional classrooms and throughout Mount Lebanon, I teach little over 400 uh, classroom visits each school year. And that is something from pre-K all the way through high school is that we have a presence in the classroom and we're empowering these kids to make good choices and good decisions and allowing them to actually help their family. Because as an adult, I did not get any fire safety education growing up and I think I knew everything before I joined the fire service and I didn't and so by outsourcing our fire safety messages to the kids and letting them go home and tell their parents when they're doing something wrong with the science and facts to back it up uh, I'm here for that Mm -hmm. so they love doing that it helps them feel safe and uh, I mean really I mean starting in preschool when they get to come I will come visit them we bring a a fire engine or a ladder truck to the schools and they get to experience to explore all of the stuff that we have and I have a story called No Dragons for Tea about why it's a cautionary tale about not bringing fire breathing dragons into your house because uh, we call that a fire hazard so you can have friends that are fire breathing dragons just hang out outside but from there on kindergarten it builds off into helpful and harmful fires that we do have fires that we want to have now, for whether or not they're campfires or even just a fire on top of the oven that we're using to make scrambled eggs, that all fires are dangerous. They all have the potential to do the cause harm. And so talking about these helpful fires and how to keep them safe and how to keep them helpful so that they don't turn into the bad fires, the harmful ones, where they need to get outside if there's a harmful fire. And we've actually discontinued teaching about stop, drop, and roll completely mm. in the elementary schools. And that's a national recommendation from the National Fire Protection Association, simply because little kids are managing, they're not the ones having the problems uh, with clothes catching on fire. They have identified that as either older kids or adults engaged in risk-taking behavior. And this is something I can attest to personally. There were too many kids that when we asked them what to do if there was a fire inside where they are, they would tell us to stop, drop, and roll instead of but we want you to go outside. Mm. And so they all know it. We have this generational obsession with stop, drop, and roll that they know it before I ever show up in a preschool anyway. And we do talk about it more in the middle school just as far as, hey, this is, you don't outgrow it. It works when you're an adult. That's why we teach it. Um, but we concentrate more on not engaging in fire play, not messing with matches and lighters, just like you wouldn't play with a chainsaw doesn't become a toy regardless of how old you are Uh, neither do things that make fires and so the tools don't know if they're doing something that's helpful harmful and so they're told to just leave it alone 
Mm-hmm. So, and from there it goes on to going outside. You know, if there's a fire, knowing what the smoke alarm sounds like. There's a remarkable amount of small children that don't know what that smoke alarm sounds like at home. And nationally, a third of the homes in the United States don't have any working smoke alarms, which is part of why we have our smoke alarm campaign and uh, procedures here in town. But some kids have had them, they're in place, and they've never heard that sound. They don't know what they're supposed to react to. And so we'll, I'll actually use a smoke alarm in school to link that sound to, hey, this is what it, you hear this, it's time to go outside. Unless somebody just burned popcorn, then you're okay. <laughs> but an adult's telling you that. You don't get to make that decision. Um, and then from there, we go off into which routes do you go outside? you use to get outside. We all grew up, we've been doing 10 fire drills a year, every year since kindergarten. We know what to do in a fire drill at school. But very few kids have done fire drills at home, and so we work on how to do that, how to have two ways out. Kids who actually are given homework, where they have to create a home escape plan. I remember when my kids did that, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's something that's you know, very basic with some graph paper and they map out the home and sometimes I have one kid that built their home out of Legos. I've had kids that have done full-on paintings hmm. of escape plans like that belongs in a museum kind of painting wow. and it doesn't have to be a work of art and you know the new most popular thing that some kids manage to do is actually build their homes on Minecraft wow. and then print out the pages and map out all the ways out and they're using that. If they come in, if they give me an escape plan, not grading them on their artistic ability, if they give me something that looks like an escape plan, they get a pencil. If they don't have an escape plan, I show them the pencil they would have gotten <laughs> if they did the homework. And, you know, we try and keep it fun, but we also, we want them to build these skills and to have these plans. We don't have time to go and have a family meeting when there's an emergency happening. And None of us get excited when the fire alarm goes off because we all know what we're supposed to do. We've drilled that into them you know, every year since kindergarten. Uh, from there, they, we actually teach them how to check smoke alarms. In fourth grade, their homework is to go home and check the smoke alarms at home, make sure that they work. If they don't, uh, we tell them if they call us, we'll come, we'll, we will come to their home and give them one and put it up for free. And, and so, that's not just available for school kids, right? Any resident can call the fire department. You can come to their house and do a smoke if alarm it's, check. If it's in Mount Lebanon, yeah. then we, and you don't have any smoke alarms, we will provide one for you and put it up for free. So if you have a bunch of smoke alarms that are 20 years old, they still beep, but they're not as effective as the ones that are less than 10. 10 years is the breakover point for when smoke alarms should be replaced. And so if you buy them, we will put as many as you give us up for free. So you might even check your fireplace while we're at it. So, um, and that's something that those have been demonstrated. To my knowledge, we have never had to rescue anybody from a fire here in Mount Lebanon that had smoke alarms that worked and went outside when they went off. Mm. Everybody that gets hurt or either don't have them, don't evacuate, or go to try to put out the fire. Mm-hmm. And so, those smoke alarms, as annoying as they are sometimes, you know, it's not going to keep a fire from starting, but it's going to make sure that you can get out safely. 
that's that's great and all the additional services that the fire department provides to help prevent things you know the the home checks and all that if people are interested call up the fire department and they have people on staff 24 7 and can work out a time to come to your house and and check things out and like lieutenant Siegert said put up smoke alarms for you too if you have them on hand so um what inspired you to spearhead all this training with the the kids in the community this is i've been managing this program for seven years now uh, i was involved in it as actually a parent as a volunteer before i was hired on here full-time so for my own kids classes so my kids went to lincoln grade school i got to teach them all through that and um this was something is like i was very fortunate in this program's been going on in some capacity for the last 30 years here in mount lebanon wow. and so that's something that is to my knowledge is not available really anywhere else there's certainly none in the pittsburgh area that i'm aware of that's this extensive and so uh, it has been demonstrated to by looking at comparison communities to mount lebanon is that we do go to less fires and have less injuries because of what we're doing that's that's great it's we're very fortunate to live in the community we do and have the services available that we do through all of our municipal departments but especially fire yeah very cool um, and then just, you know, switching a little bit to the new program that you've started with kids in school, specifically in the life skills classroom, um, what really inspired you to start that and get that process going? In 2017, when we were looking, we were man running the programs that we had, and, you know, we were very glad to say, it's like, hey, we're doing all of these amazing things in the schools and everything is going well. Um, we had two incidents, one that occurred in Mount Lebanon and one that occurred nearby, that uh, first off, we had a fire in a home. And when we got there, and I would just emphasize, this was a fire that was a block and a half away from the fire station. And that's important because when we got there, we were told there was a 17-year-old boy upstairs and it was his bedroom that was on fire. And so when we went up there, we found him. He was actually hiding in his mother's room under a blanket. And we brought him out, and we realized, uh, looking at him, and this, this was a teenage boy with Down syndrome. And I realized I'd been running the program for a full year at that point, is that I had seen very few children with significant disabilities in the classes I was teaching. And it's like, hey, this, this isn't right. Okay, these, where, where are these kids in the schools? And there were, it was quite often I would see kids with disabilities, with intellectual challenges in the classroom that would come and go depending on the subject matter that I was teaching. But it didn't seem like enough, the kids that I was seeing. And so as I'm looking at this and at that particular fire, the people that were there were two of the people that used to be the fire and life safety educator before me. And we all kind of came to the same conclusion of we need to find where these kids are. And so as we're going through the process for that and starting to look, try and get an idea for what we could even do, there was another fire in Mount Oliver. So in that fire, there was a uh, five-year-old boy with severe autism who went and hid when the smoke alarm went off and there was a fire in his house. 
the firefighters did not get to him on time in time. And so with those two events, we just decided, hey, we, we got to do something and we need to start moving on it. And that's, those were the two events. And fortunately, the child that we found here in town, he, he's made a full recovery, but he was very critical for a few weeks. And that fire was one that he had actually started. And there was no malice involved. He wasn't trying to cause any, he had a fascination with fire that wasn't being addressed well. And the reason that he survived is not because we did anything that great. It was because he was a block from the station. We got there that fast and were able to get to him in time. So, and that was called in by a passerby. That wasn't even somebody in the house. They called 911. So because of that, it's like, hey, we need to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen again. So this is not okay. And so then we started looking at, you know, reaching out to the school district and figuring out what we needed to do. What did that process look like working with the school district? Um, we have, because of the existing programs, we've had a very good relationship with the Mount Lebanon School District. And, you know, they're accustomed to having me or someone like me in the classroom, as it is anyway. And so as we went, started to uh, work with the school district, I mean, the first thing I did was try and figure out what was already out there. Because I know this material, but this was not an audience I was used to teaching. And so I was like, what's already out there? And it turned out to be not very much, let alone to the extent that what we wanted to do. And so starting with talking, obviously I started with my boss and it's like, hey, we need to figure out, this is what we're looking to do, which at this point I have no clue what I actually want to do, but I need to figure out you know, what this audience is to begin with. And so we reached out to the school district and met with the special needs school superintendent or district superintendent. And we're kind of starting to figure out what all was there and what all we could do and it was a process. It went on for you know, a couple of months to try and figure out how to best adapt these programs. The uh, Dr. Doyle, who was in charge of the special needs part of the school district at that point, actually paired me up with a few inclusion specialists and a curriculum specialist. And you know, it was Tina and Mike, and they shadowed me for every single classroom that I visit that I went on there from kindergarten through fifth grade to kind of see what I was doing already. And then we could f figure out how to adapt that to this audience. And, you know, that actually worked out a lot of the recommendations they made. I plugged back into the regular school program because it worked well for everybody. So to kind of get our messaging across. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So I think we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be right back with more from Lieutenant Chris Siegert from the Mount Lebanon Fire Department. Welcome back to Inside Lebo. We're here today with Lieutenant Chris Siegert from the Mount Lebanon Fire Department, who's been telling us about this great program on life safety skills that he has been teaching in uh, the schools. So Chris, how long um, have you been doing these life skills classes? We started doing this in 2018. It's when I first walked into the classroom and 
tinkered around to see what kind of worked and what didn't and adapted things to different audiences and then COVID came along and threw a monkey wrench in everything. It's great we've been able to continue the program through all those challenges too that we had with just the way learning was delivered over time too. And yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it you know from all that you've said so far on the show in the first half, it's uh, everything the fire department's done to teach our youth about you know fire safety, life skills, all that has been tremendous in helping us you know keep down the number of actual incidents we have in the community. Yeah, and then, you know, we heard you describe sort of the information that you share from as young as preschool all the way up through for just, you know, traditional classrooms. What would you say it's like teaching a typical life skills class? What different information do you provide? And a lot of times when I teach in a regular classroom, I am a very animated kind of Robin Williams-y, PG, Aladdin kind of Robin Williams-y kind of uh, instructor. And uh, I try and use a lot of humor to kind of offset sometimes. I mean, the, to- the topics can be a little dark with the older kids, mm-hmm. and that kind of gives them a little bit of balance without it uh, getting too heavy. And uh, that does not work with children with special needs a lot of times. And so depending on the audience, and this is where it goes, every time I go into a classroom, it's a different process. Mm-hmm. and the be- one of the real benefits of this is these are much smaller classrooms and these are classrooms with children who sometimes they're in a regular classroom and they need extra support and so they're in this life skills classroom for part of the day or for a significant part of the day and when they're in there I'm g- going for more direct instruction than trying to lead them to discover their own answers and so it made me more efficient and what I'm trying to get across and more direct in what I'm trying to get across. And we really started looking at what are the absolute essential messages that we need to get across to anybody to begin with, and especially for these children, which is like, hey, if there's a fire inside, go outside. That smoke alarm is loud. I don't like the sound of the smoke alarm either. And so the uh, Actually, tell them the smoke alarms are the second most annoying sound in the whole world. So the first one being a song called Baby Shark. They both have the same. <laughs> they both make me want to do the same thing, though, because when that smoke alarm goes off to me, it sounds like it's going leave, leave, leave. And so it makes me want to leave and go outside. And in a life skills classroom, it's like, hey, when you hear the sound, we want you to go outside. Okay, it's quieter out there. And when we have children with noise sensitivities, then it be, sometimes it's the, hey, it's not gonna be as loud out there, is all they need to hear. And that's enough to get them. It's like, all right, I hear that noise, I'm gonna go outside. So, and the fact that it's not on fire out there is just a bonus. So, uh, for that, it's very individualized. How I teach one child can be very different than how I teach another and the main stuff for getting outside. We do talk about how to get low and go under smoke. We have them bear crawl under a plastic sheet, which is the same thing I'm doing in the first grade classrooms. And so we're gonna go outside and we talk about where to go for their meeting places. And this is where having a smaller classroom lets me um, get a lot more involved with this. And this was something where in a large classroom, 
with 25 kids in it, we talk about, hey, you need to have a meeting place that's out in front of your home, out by the street where we can see you. So not the backyard, not the neighbor's house. We're not looking for you at the neighbor's house. We know where all the streets are, but we don't know which building is yours. We are going to stop where the people are. And so it can be a lamppost or a fire hydrant or a telephone pole or whatever you got. That's where we want to see you. That's your meeting place. And for in the life skills classrooms, we actually assign them a spot. We're able to, coordinating with the teachers in the school district, the teachers will actually, we'll use Google Earth and do a street view of their home. And then we pick a spot and tell them where to go. And we'll actually have them trace out from the front door, you're going to come down the steps here, you're going to come to your house, you're going to stop right here. And we write everything down and it goes home to the family. And I wish we could do that with everybody, but we just can't. <laughs> so not for you know, 450 second graders. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> um, that's great how you're able to individualize the instruction based on the specific needs of the kids too. That's that's a really neat aspect of the program and I'm sure makes it all the more effective. I shared that uh, message, that meeting place uh, lesson plan with a friend of mine who works in Philadelphia. He's a firefighter. He's actually a deputy chief in Philadelphia and he shared with me a story that kind of broke my heart a little bit where he actually had a very close family friend who had a 15 year old boy with autism and they had a fire in their row home in downtown Philly and the boy came outside and we somebody told him to go to a safe place or go to a safe space for children with autism that's a specific spot mm -hmm. inside and so that triggered him those were the words that he when he hears go to a safe go to a safe place he went back to his closet in his bedroom. And so he actually was extremely uh, happy to hear that we're saying, hey, you gotta go outside and you gotta go here. But the terminology to go with that is like, you're gonna go to your meeting place. This is your fire emergency meeting place where we really emphasize this is where you're gonna go if there's a fire. Because you can't hide from it, you can't hide from the smoke. You're gonna go outside, you're gonna go to this spot and you're gonna wait. So have you had to make any uh, changes or tweaks to the program in the five years since you started it? Sometimes I'm doing it by the minute. Yeah. And so uh, we talked briefly about COVID with this, where it's just starting to kind of hit my stride and working, I mean, I'm working in life skills classrooms in two elementary schools, the middle school and the high school, and then everything shut down. And so when that happened, it did give us some time to reflect, I did a few I was teaching a lot of the third through fifth grade uh, traditional classroom students via Zoom, which, yeah, there was a difference. And I got really good at talking while keeping my hands five inches within my face, because that's what the camera showed. So I would come home from work and talk to my family with my hands on either side of my face until I reset. Um, but it was nowhere near as effective for kids in as it was being in the classroom, let alone with this audience. And we got to do a few lessons that way, uh, but we also got very creative in doing things outside. That's so. cool. That's great. So, you know, are there any other schools in the area that offer training like this, whether it's in the traditional school setting or this life skills training? 
So our department is accredited, internationally accredited to by outside agencies to meet standards that are set beyond what we think are good ideas. And our assistant chief, uh, assistant chief Daniels is one of the folks that goes to other fire departments and helps review them. Uh, both in my research and in his exposures, and these are the best fire departments in the United States. Nobody is doing what we're doing. So the, our regular classroom uh, curriculum has won awards by, you know, from the state to begin with. Uh, the life skills classroom and the special needs lessons that we're doing, I don't know of anyone else that's doing this. So in the middle of COVID, I got contacted by a group called Blooming Seeds outside of Georgia who, uh, it's a group of high school students that ran a group at their school for children with special needs to let them interact with the regular students that were there. And I'm getting an email from them from Georgia, and it's like, hey, can you do something for us? I'm like, don't, what, what do you want me to do? I'm in Pennsylvania. And from talking with one of the, Davika, who is one of the, students that was running this program. She's like, nobody is doing this. You're the only thing I could find. So and it was actually through our website that they found the link that we were doing anything. And so we ended up putting together a virtual, you know, life skills, special needs student fire safety lesson. And we had kids from Georgia to Pittsburgh to California logged in on this. And I actually gave them everything that we did. It's like, hey, you record this, I will send you the slides of what we did. There's no reason it needs to be me on this. You guys got this. And so we sent the, I sent them all the instructor material. And as far as I know, they're still doing it, so. That's awesome. That's great. And on a similar note of, you know, getting nationwide exposure to what we're doing here in Mount Lebanon, you were telling us before we started recording the show that um, you got invited to North Carolina to present at a fire safety conference there about this program as well. Yeah, the North, the North Carolina State Fire, Office of the State Fire Marshal, uh, which oversees all fire and life safety education in the state of North Carolina, uh, Several members of that department actually suggested that I submit a presentation after I met them at the National Fire Academy for a class I was taking out there last year. And because it was the same deal, it's like, nobody's doing this. We want to know what you're doing. And so I'm actually going out there tomorrow and doing my first, you know, outside the bubble presentation <laughs> so on what I do. Well, we wish you safe travels and congratulations on the, uh, you know, the the nationwide exposure that this is getting. It's a tremendous asset to our community, and hopefully, other folks around the country will be able to use our model, and it can spread a little bit too. Because good fire safety is good for everybody. It doesn't just have to be Mount Lebanon, but it's wonderful that our residents and our children have uh, you as a resource and the the fire department as well. So you mentioned that there's some information on the website. So if people want to find out more about it, they can go to Mount lebanon.org um, in the fire department page to find out more uh, the fire department also has a facebook page you can check out too uh, any other places you would suggest reaching out if people have questions or want more information on the program uh, they can always reach out to me directly at the station but the website should have if there's a kids section of the fire department website that has a lot of my lesson plans already posted and this is stuff that we are already sharing with some of the neighboring communities that are interested in doing things and we would like it to 
there's yeah it needs to go beyond our borders with this and we're happy to kind of be leading the way with this yeah agreed this is really awesome work that you're doing thank you so much for um coming here and talking to us about it and uh that's it for this edition of inside lebo produced by carrie munio with music by drew munio and graphics by chris Lieber. we'll be back soon with another episode of inside lebo stay tuned Thanks for listening to Inside Lebo, produced by Mount Lebanon's Public Information Office. Learn more about all things Lebo at mountlebanon.org or by following our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.